Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Everybody and welcome back to another Forza Italian Football Podcast. Here's a talk about match day 20 of this Serie A season and what a ridiculous match day it was. I'm your usual host, Connor Fancy, and I've got you and Burns here with me. Burnsy, how are you feeling? Hello. I'm not feeling as, as good as I was earlier in the day, but nonetheless, I'm here. It was a bit much today, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> loads of games, loads of goals, loads of silly results. There were a lot of silly results, which we'll now get out get into and to help us talk about those we've got the silliest of men and Kev Pogjalski Kev say hello hello everybody you sound very happy could you put a little bit more volume uh, and energy you know, in please it was the surprise of being called the silliest person probably on this pod so would you argue with that um silly is a strong word I'd say I'm just the joker aren't I I think silly and joker <laughs> go perfectly hand in hand. And you I said would in argue, the manner of a joker. <laughs> I would argue that silly is quite soft too. But okay. anyway, probably the least silly person of the four is Vito Toria. Vito, welcome along. How are you keeping? Thank you, Connor. Well, I'm good. And uh, outside of football, I've taken up a new hobby. So whenever oh. I just need a breath away from a break away from football, I'm playing a bit of electric guitar. Electric guitar? Ooh. What prompted yeah. that? Oh, look, for so many years I've had friends and schoolmates in bands and, you know, I've kept on watching them for so much and then I thought, you know, after all this time, instead of just watching other people do it, I thought I might as well do it myself. Another thing too is I'm not a fan of acoustic guitar sounds. Once I put in the electric guitar, put in the pedals, uh, I just get the sound I want. So there's so many songs I want to learn anyway instead of just listening to them on spotify What's you've got six you've got six months to make us a new theme tune i was gonna say I was, that I was gonna say that's <laughs> thing. we need a jingle <laughs> yeah yeah for next season vito you can write a couple of jingles for the pod no doubt but we've got to talk about this area action because it was utterly stupid this weekend there's been a few weekends so far this season that have been a bit mad this is right up there with with the best of them i think Another four-day weekend, it kicked off on Friday. Bologna beat Spezia 2-0. And Salernitana picked up three big points away at Lecce with a 2-1 win in Salento. On Saturday, Empoli-Torino finished 2-2. Inter had to come from behind to win 2-1 at Cremonese. And Atalanta beat Sampdoria 2-0 in Bergamo. And I was there, and it was bloody freezing. But all of that seems pretty normal so far, right? Sunday went a little bit mad. Sassuolo won 5-2. Away at the champions, AC Milan. Yes, 5-2. It's a Sassuolo side that we've been worried about falling into the relegation zone in recent weeks. And then, if that wasn't good enough, Monza went to the Allianz Stadium and beat Juventus 2-0, becoming the first ever newly promoted team to win against Juventus twice in a season. 
And then everybody was wondering what was going to happen next. In reality, it was a bit dull after that because Lazio Fiorentina finished 1-1 and Napoli got an expected 2-1 win over Roma. Udinese Verona is to be played on Monday night. But guys, we'll start at the top before we get into the madness. Burnsy, Napoli, they just keep marching on. That lead at the top is now 13 points after they beat your mob at the Maradona. Yeah, we kind of talked about when, when they got beat by Inter... It was, you know, we had this next discussion of, okay, well, now we get to see how they're going to react to losing. You know, that almost felt like it could be a swing in Inter's favour, which seems mad to say now. They've won the next four. And <laughs> and they've beaten like, Juventus 5-1. And yeah, they've beaten Juventus in that, in that time. So, like, I, I almost think we're at a stage now where all the way through I've been sort of giving the whole caveat each time of, oh, but, you know, you can never say it's done. I'm almost beyond that now in the, in the sense that, you know, it's 13. And it's not just it's 13, it's how crap so much beneath them looks. Why are you um, only almost beyond that now? Surely we're all well, beyond the point of thinking that Napoli might not win the league. Due to natural pessimism, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, in terms of this game, th- this was a weird one because, I mean, I, I, this could sound biased or whatever, but I do believe it. I... I I wouldn't say they necessarily deserve to win the game. They didn't deserve to lose it, but I think a, a draw probably would have been the right result on the balance of play. But, you know, the whole cliche of champions find a way, they found a way. And it was, as Kev wrote about actually on the website, it's testament to the sort of depth they've got where R- Roma couldn't change the game when they needed to push for a winner. Whereas they brought on Simeone, who I think they said on comms, he's only played about 170-odd minutes in Serie A, all from the bench this season that he scored three times. He, ah. he <laughs> he's, he's doing such a good sort of, I say unsung job. That's not like a dig at people in general, because obviously that's not going to be what's talked about at this stage of the season. But it, him and the likes of Raspadori are a huge reason why they're where they are. Oh, for sure. Like There was a bit where Ozyman was out as well, and Simeone just kept things ticking over. Kev, you did cover this for TotalHyphenItalianFootball.com. You did write about Simeone in particular. He got into the headline, which is always a nice touch, especially when Ossiman scored that goal. But would you agree with Burnsy's assessment that Napoli maybe were undeserving winners? Um, no, actually, I was, I was nearly agreeing with him and then I've decided to just backtrack almost immediately. Um, only because of maybe the lack of you know, attack at times, particularly in the first half. I know kind of that was a, a, a warranted tactic to take. Um, a lack of attack from who? From Roma? From, 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 from Roma. Um, I think um, Al Shuari, who got Roma's goal, came on and sort of provided a little bit more attacking impetus. It seemed to just G up the rest of the team that they could maybe um, break a, a sort of increased speed on Napoli because Napoli, were, Napoli had a lot of the ball in sort of that final third. And uh, if, if they got it, then they could break. But it, in, in one way, I was quite, I was quite um, intrigued by Roma's ability to sort of not panic after going behind after 17 minutes. Because I think previous incarnations, and maybe not under Mourinho, they maybe haven't kept that composure and kept their, kept their sort of shape and things. And they just sort of seemed to... There was, a, there was a self-belief you could see in Roma that a chance was going to come and they were going to take it. But it was that sort of, that almost look at them that they thought a chance would come to them as opposed to trying to go and get it. And I think they only really did that in the second half at times. So 
I think I'd still have Napoli as deserving victors, but there was there was not a lot in it, you know, not in comparison to that victory they had over Juventus a couple of weeks ago when they absolutely sort of wiped the floor with them. I think the the reason that I think if I say I were a Napoli fan and I wanted to really nitpick, the thing that I'd look at is Roma started the game really well, and I think that did surprise Napoli the sort of intensity that Roma started with and how high up the pitch they were. And then the opening goal came and for the next few minutes, Roma did carry on the same way, but they then they retreated into themselves, which they kind of started playing in the way that everyone assumed they would. And that was the spell where it felt like Napoli probably should have gone 2-0 up with the sort of firepower they've got, but they they didn't manage to make it happen, basically. And that's what left the game open for Roma to then play better in the second half. So I feel like they, they maybe lacked a bit of killer instinct in that moment where they could have gone two or three up in the first half if you know maybe if it had just dropped right or whatever yeah I, I agree with what um you were saying about the you know the surprising element of Roma being so high up the pitch but it, it to me it just felt like they were they were up the pitch but not really doing anything you know it's like there's a tactic to have as much of the ball in you know Napoli's final third that's the right way around isn't it <laughs> rather than actually, you know, a really, really coherent plan to sort of get runners off of Abraham. It's, sometimes it looked like they were trying to get the ball up there and it was like there wasn't there wasn't enough around it, if that makes sense. It was like it was there as a defensive tactic rather than to try and get them the lead, but there you go. Vito, Victor Ossiman scored a goal that I think drew involuntary noises from most people watching it. Bernsey and I exchanged messages to compare what noises we made in response to it. Is this one of the best goals of the season? Because I'm struggling to think of too many better than it. It's definitely up there. And what made this particular goal special is that the build-up and the teamwork prior to it was fantastic. And then Aussie meant to show his individual qualities and put the ball away like he did in that instant was just fantastic. The way Zielinski, Mario Rui, and Kavica Kavaratskelia were combining in the lead-up was fantastic. And then Ossiman to take control on his chest, flick it, and then smash that volley home. Uh, just a sumptuous goal, and uh, I think it just uh, sums up Napoli perfectly. They were a great attacking side, and the players we just mentioned... Uh, the players that make a difference or the consistent role performers. So they really make Napoli tick in their own way. So that goal was Victor Ossiman's, what, 14th in Serie A this season. He's already equaled his best ever scoring total for any season in one of the top European leagues. But then there's a more interesting stat that Opta have flagged, which is that for the first time in a three points for a win era, there are 13 points between first and second after 20 match days. It's never before happened. The previous biggest margin was 11 points between Inter and Roma in 2007. It's done, Kev. Oh, it is done. Yeah, I'm I'm fully convinced it's done. You know, Well, Mourinho said it was done before the weekend, so what does that make it now? Well, you know, he's... Um... The Oracle, the, the Oracle of Syria, you know, sort of, uh, even I know that the 
that oh god what are you trying to say here kev i don't know what i'm trying <laughs> to say here. it's because i'm still i'm still thinking about the victor osman goal and something you know a problem i have with it but anyway um a problem you've got with Wait, Osman's hang on, goal. Hang on. Yeah, let's go. Please say the problem. <laughs> okay, so I was going to make a I was going to make a point about the 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 Osman goal, which oh, is God. that I don't there was and there was this happened last week as well when um, Caprari the ball just dropped to him in the area and nobody seemed to wanted to go and sort of clear it out. You know, like maybe five six years ago, a defender will go and just head that away and not worry about who they take with them. And there's an element of that with this Osman goal that. He's allowed to chest it and then cushion it on his thigh before volleying it. And I think it's, and there's a player not that far away from him. And I think a player gets closer to him there. But, but we're in the scenario now with VAR that if the player gets close and sort of their chest bump together and it rolls down onto the player's forearm, you're probably getting, you know, a penalty. You know, you know the penalty, you're doing something stupid. The, the players almost leave a little bit more space in the, um, in the area for the, for, you know, for attempts like this now, but like you and said earlier, going to the you know, have Napoli won this? It is, it is a little bit of a shame that there's nothing behind them um, that would put a little bit more pressure on. You know, Inter came from behind this weekend, but don't look like they can get a run of um, wins together to sort of even push Napoli. And it, and it's more about that they're not gonna they're not gonna drop any points. They they just look unstoppable. You're focusing on the wrong team in black and blue for a mountain of title challenge, Kev, but we'll get to them. Don't you worry about it. Um, yeah. I don't know why you're laughing, Bernsey. Why are you laughing? <laughs> because they are, if I can do the maths, 15 points behind Napoli. And how many points behind Napoli are Inter? Well, I mean, I didn't say Inter are going to win it. <laughs> oh, no, no, I just said he's, he's looking at the wrong one. I'm saying Atalanta finish above Inter is what I'm trying to say. Um, but it was just brilliant. Like, I made a point of this on Twitter, Bernsey, but you watch football on telly a lot of the time. And even if you watch like a highlights compilation of a game you were at, particularly here in Italy, and you think the atmosphere isn't being done justice on television. There's something about the San Paolo, though, isn't there? That when games are played there, more than in any other stadium, you do realize, oh, God, that stadium is loud. Mm, it, it does have that sort of gladiator kind of feel yeah. to it in this sort of game where as if like as if everyone in the stands is being forcibly kept in the stands when they'd rather be <laughs> like lining the very touchline of the pitch kind of thing um it looks incredible as a spectacle the whole the whole game i think was in a in a couple of weeks where we've had essentially a lot of while we might find some of it funny essentially bad news stories about Serie A, it, it was a fantastic game to sit and watch and enjoy as a spectacle. Let's get on to the fun stuff, shall we? Because that was probably the standout game of the weekend. It was a very enjoyable watch, and we kind of knew it was going to be coming into it, right? I was quite pleased that Roma kind of played as well. I don't think they just sat back. A team who definitely didn't sit back against a side considered to be favourites for their game were a little old Sassuolo. Because they went away to AC Milan Vito. And they did what they've done a few times to give them credit. They bloodied some noses, but they beat Milan 5-2. So the champions are just now in full-blown crisis mode at this point. Oh, it's clear now. Uh, The way Milan played was just so pedestrian and uninspiring. And uh, Sassuolo... 
they came into this game with not much uh, expectation or form coming into this game, but they just suddenly burst into life and they exposed the space left by the Rossoneri defence in style. To see Berardi do what he did throughout the game, uh, that's the Berardi that we've become accustomed to, being that talisman and that leader for that Sassuolo side. And to win in that manner, we didn't see it coming, but I must say it was uh, quite a thrill to see uh, the Nero Verdi do what, what they can when they are switched on and when it's their day. And in this game, they definitely had their day. Yeah, Vito said we didn't see it coming, but um, me and you and were both thinking the same thing, that this is the third time in the row now that they've gone to Milan and they've sort of um, beat them. In and a row? It, yeah, yeah, it's the third away not game in a row. by this margin, though. Oh, not by this margin, but um, of, all the, of all the statistics I read pre-sort of this weekend, um, this and obviously the Monza one that will come up um, <laughs> a bit later and Connor's Old already referenced. I kind of didn't, I didn't see this, you know, there was, I was with friends when the result was coming through uh, this afternoon. They're like, oh, well, they're, they're Milan are champions. Like, yes, but Milan have been absolutely terrible the last, you know, they've won that one game since we came back from the um, the World Cup in fourth break. I know Sassuolo were about to go on their longest winless run in Serie A of nine, nine games, had they not, had wow. they not won. So... I don't think either side were sort of strong favourites for this, but with with Milan being at home, you kind of and and really really needing the points to 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 stay in the race and maybe even stay in the Champions League qualification race when you sort of look at where they are at the moment and they just don't seem to be turning this around. That is it's turning so... into a real concern for Milan, right? Because the Champions League place is by no means a a foregone conclusion. But Kev, you were talking about pre-match readings. I just I I don't have. I don't think you happened to read my preview for this match, did you? The the closing paragraph of which was, In Domenico Baradi, Milan have an individual to fear. His 10 goals against the Rossoneri make them his favourite opponent, even if most of those goals came prior to 2016. Now, it's fair to say that Milan should have feared Baradi because how many assists did he get in this game? Three, and he got a goal himself. He was on it. And he won the penalty, is that right? Yeah, right. There you go. He had a direct hand in all of the goals. Yeah, yeah. No, the, the that was Lorienti. He owned his. He got his own penalty. Did he? I thought it was Berardi. No, oh, good for him. Armand Lorienta. He earned the penalty and then took it himself. Right. The overall point remains. He had a hand in four <laughs> goals at the Miazza at the San Siro. I think that's a pretty good day's work, Bernsey. Yeah. Milan are screaming out for a right winger as well. It's really funny. No, don't, don't, that would, <laughs> don't ruin him. I know, but it's been linked in the past multiple times, especially now that they genuinely want a right winger, but they can't get one. Um, <laughs> I mean, Pioli would absolutely love for him to have been wearing a different shirt in that game, and he would have been in the exact same position on the pitch. He's got to be player of the week this week for you. Who picks the player of the week, Kev? That's you, isn't it? He's got mm-hmm. to be. I think. Yeah, he agreed. Is, yeah. <laughs> Oh, it has been agreed in the WhatsApp. It has been agreed, isn't it? <laughs> um, it's almost like I was just trying to find a way to get people to go over to total-italianfootball.com and read Vito's <laughs> team of the week and Kev's subsequent player of the week, which will be published on Tuesday morning because there's that really good game being played on Monday night that we're all really looking forward to, which is why we're here on Sunday night doing a podcast reviewing the weekend's action without it. But what 
what is happening at Milan, Kev? Because, no, I'll give you a break, Bernsey. It's not normal anymore. Like, it's... And, and this is a Milan team that, for the first half of the season, okay, they weren't playing great football. But this... This is on a whole other level. In the Supercoppa, they were an embarrassment. Against Sassuolo, an embarrassment. There were definitely other games in there as well where they were an embarrassment. They, hang on, they conceded four against Lazio on Tuesday. What has gone wrong for it to be so catastrophically bad in such a short space of time? It's really weird because I, I'd say position-wise, it's the defence that is sort of dropped off the most but like I think it's more collective it's just everyone you know right up to Rafael Leal uh, are not playing well um Leal looks just like a different player like his facial expressions are he, he's not happy um Kalulu is one that stands out in the sense that he he just seems to have gone a bit wayward I think it was the first goal where when Berardi's trying to make his way into the box if you just before he gets into the box, if you pause it there, you you would never think that the goal is going to go in in the way that it does, and it's because Kalulu just suddenly darts across when there's already two players quite close to, and it just completely opens up the angle for the cross, and you know Berardi spots it fantastically, but he, he just it just seemed a bit erratic, and I think that's kind of a symptom of having lost quite a lot of games at once, but it's it's so it's so bizarre. It's a good thing they've got a couple of easy fixtures next, right? They've got the Derby against Inter, who just beat them (laughs) 3-0. And then they've got a Torino side who beat them with 10 men in the last couple of weeks as well. Um, It is not a great position for Milan to be in. But Kev, it's a little bit funny. Yeah, it is a little bit funny. So I I, I I don't have a dog in the race, but it's... I don't know. There's something about it's Milan funny when being. Big teams are being bad, isn't it? Well, we spoke about this the other week about whether it's good for, you know, the league. You know, because again, people do watch this from the outside that don't follow the league closely enough and don't realise how good Sassuolo can play on times. They don't. They don't understand. You know, Milan's injuries. Um, I had somebody today actually say to me about Juve going, "Oh, Juve have been terrible this season. They're sitting in." In 13th, <laughs> I, went, I went, I went, I went before getting smashed the other week. They, they won like seven in a row without. Did you refer them. him to oh. Allegri's pre-match quotes? I, I, yeah. So I, I highlighted the fact that they had a 15-point deduction, which they just didn't know about. So, um, well, it's funny for us because we know the context around it. it it's, a, it's a strange one for people looking out and thinking, "Oh, Milan is still this sort of car crasher aside they were for probably the last five or six years before the title." Um, but who cares, Kev? Who cares about I've... them? Let's just have a good old laugh at the champions losing 5-0 at home to a team whose town could fit in the San Siro twice. 5 nils cruel. <laughs> right. Sorry. They conceded <laughs> 5. <laughs> Vito, jump in. Look, personally, when you see the big boys struggling on the pitch and also doing a bit of disarray off it, does it really matter that they're near the top? I think it goes to show that when the little guys are putting their things together, I think it's great to have these underdogs just spring out of nowhere and show that they can uh, be greater than the sum of their parts. And then if Napoli 
not just doing so well at the top of the table, but if they have a good run in Europe too, I mean, does it really matter if the big boys play rubbish? If the so-called smaller clubs are doing well in the league, and if they can put good runs together in Europe, then um, you can't just keep following the bigger clubs just for the mere sake of nostalgia and reputation. Just need a bit of um, extra excitement, especially when it's not the traditional powers. Need a bit of change. This is why Connor's so happy for Monza this weekend, obviously. so <laughs> Literally no idea what you're talking about. The, um, the thing that would have angered me the most, like apoplectically, if I were a Milan fan, is that Origi, the goal he scored at the end of this game. I wanted to mind the, this. Goal of the week. Well, the, this is the thing, right? It's one of the goals of the season. And it's like, they're in this hideous run of form. He's done nothing all season apart from be injured repeatedly. And then he just pops up and goes, oh yeah, I can do this, by the way. I can score goals like this, but I'm not going to do it anymore. How many goals has he scored at Milan now, Kev? Is it two? I think it's two. Because the other yeah, was a belter as well. The other, one was, yeah, exactly. the other one was good, yeah. He's taking the piss out of them. The problem is he usually does it in games with like you know where there's meaning. Um, so maybe he's just been waiting for a game with meaning and sort of, there's not come along, so he thought today, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll pull a worldie out of my back pocket and, yeah, a bit of practice. I think he's replaced because his goals at Liverpool were tap-ins, weren't they? I remember the one against Everton where, I mean, that was one of the most comical goals you'll see. And then against Barcelona, he just took advantage of dreadful defending. But the the meaning was big and the quality was low. Now he's gone uh, the opposite. And the, the quality is big and the meaning is well, not exist. There, there was quite a good goal in the Champions League final that was celebrated quite widely. But uh, oh, Did he score in that, did he? Cool. Scored the yeah. second against Tottenham in 2019. Ah, again, irrelevant. <laughs> <He's>... <laughs> <laughs> they already won him up. Yeah, what it, score did that finish? 2-0. Exactly, so uh... they didn't need the second goal. Irrelevant. Um, but... Speaking of irrelevance, speaking of irrelevance, we had <laughs> Juventus Monza. Well, this, if if you, if you weren't able to laugh at Milan losing 5-0, I'm going to say nil, even though it wasn't correct, at home to Sassuolo, well, then you probably, your day was made a little bit better when you saw Monza go to the Alliance and win 2-0. Kev, this is funny. Like, I... I know people try to make the argument. Ewan was trying to make the argument, or you were just trying to make the argument. Juventus losing is funny. And in the context of them having been punished with a 15-point deduction, losing to a newly promoted team, it's very funny. Yeah, it, it is funny. And it's funny, I suppose, with the context of you know what they're going through at the moment and still claiming these 38 points on the pitch. Although I kind of do... As they're sort of appealing, I kind of agree that that's that's the right sort of mindset to have. That, Worth you know, you saying, just, sort of... just point people in the direction of Patrick Kendrick's tweet, which said that it's kind of ironic that that's the number of points they're claiming because that's also the number of Scudetti they're claiming, despite mm-hmm. records showing that they don't have either of those things. Yeah, I, I did see that. I thought it was very good. Um, you know, I don't think I would have made that connection. But I suppose he does... Uh, you know, get to see the stadium because they've got a 38-hour app. I think there was a picture that he yeah. put up of it. Yeah. But, you know, it's... I think 
teams, people that, particularly, you know, fans of big clubs and if they're on, you know, with a decent sort of social media presence, like to have a laugh because, you know, there'll be Milan fans that will be having a laugh at Juventus' expense because it kind of gives them something to be happy about this weekend. Um, but I'd like to think others are more positive over what the, the smaller the smaller side's achieving here. And I know you're not a big lover of this particular club, but when I, don't, I, I, don't, saw... but, 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 I don't have anything mm-hmm. wrong with the club. The president's just an arsehole. Okay. Well, that's good because I was thinking about it from the, like, the position of there are fans there that have probably followed Monza for years. And can you, you know, I was, I was just looking at them celebrating that really small little corner of the Allianz. That's what it still is if we're not yeah. on the Juventus Stadium now. And I just thought that must be great because it, it, it's almost like a, it's almost like going to somewhere in the cup. But at times I don't feel that the cup's as prestigious as, as like the, the league. So I think a team like Monza get into the top flight and then doing it for a second time. But, you know, the second time doing it in Juventus' backyard. Just to mean, I, I just can imagine the, the the just look of disbelief on some of those Monza fans travelling home this afternoon. I, I have a, a, a nice set of similar respect just for about 20 of them for when I was in Lecce in the season, it was against Monza and there, there was none, no one in the away end for the first like 20 minutes. And then about twenty of them suddenly arrived with a load of flags. And to be fair, they were they were noisy for twenty people throughout the. And obviously, that's like about as far as you can go in Italy, basically. Um, They've been out on the beach all day. Well, yeah, they they were very late. (laughs) I don't know what they were doing, but it just for any of them to be there, I feel like was pretty impressive. Is that when you were down in Puglia and I went to visit you? Hmm. The weather was gorgeous. They were definitely just having a lovely holiday. <laughs> to be fair, it is a holiday region, isn't it? It's just it was just yeah. some fans who happened to be on holiday in the region. <laughs> yeah, well, that's where the whole of the north goes for August. So maybe they just extended their their stay through to early September. I, I couldn't blame <laughs> them for doing that because I mean, I regretted not doing that when I came back up north and then went straight back down south a couple of weeks <laughs> later to see you. But Juventus, like, no, no. Let's let's not do that, shall we? Um, it, it makes the whole point deduction thing a bit easier to sort of compute in your head if they do just play crap as well. Like I, I know I'm sort mean. of a bit more at peace with their position in the table. If they start losing at home to Monza, it's easier to come to terms with. Um, so before this weekend, we were talking about how Sassuolo were at risk of falling into a relegation fight. Sassuolo were on 17 points. They're now on 20. Juventus are on 23. So Kev... Massimiliano Allegri's post-match comments that Juventus need points to to not be relegated. He's got a point, doesn't he? Because they're they're very much in the dogfight now. They are, but with um, significant resources that I reckon they'll be alright. They, you can't use the resources now, though, can they? Well, they been sold. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, yeah. I think you felt that that was a bigger um, loss to them than I did, but. Uh... <laughs> Why does, everyone, why does everybody hate Weston McKenney? Don't hate him, but um, I think he's <laughs> gone to Leeds. Your face and tone suggests otherwise. He's I gone to Leeds. That. He's gone to Leeds, hasn't he? And I think that is more his level. I, I don't. I, I don't think he. I think that's a higher uh, level than you, though, right now. I was going to well, say, um, Serie A is rubbish. Yeah, but so, so for an, a, a club that has 
at least aspirations of playing in the Champions League and at that elite level, um, I don't think he's good enough. I, I don't think he's good enough to be carrying the midfield, but I think he's a more than useful player. Like for, To have him around, I think, is great. He's a, he's a great substitute to come in. He's a great stand-in player. He serves a purpose, but I don't know. Pogba was on the bench today, which is of note, considering that's that's the closest he's come to the pitch literally all season. Was it on the free pod last week, or was it on one of the Patreon pods where we were saying that we kind of forget that Zlatan Ibrahimovic is a footballer. I'm at that point with Pogba now too. <laughs> that's I think that's harsh on Pogba considering how long Ibra's been out. But I get what you mean. Um, every now and then I have to write about Ibra. And it's like, oh, he's going to be back for this game. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then he never is. Why is it now? It's the Spurs Champions League game he's coming back for, isn't it? I think we might be beyond that now. Oh, really? Yeah, possibly. That seems to have gone quiet. Now, now it's Mike Magnan who's meant to be back for that. Okay. Um the other person to remember exists is Bakayoko. I think I think we discussed either on a preview or off air, whatever. Um, he's still there, everyone. <laughs> he's still at Milan. Still on loan Great from Chelsea away. as well, which is the the really <laughs> impressive feat there. He's, um, he's turned down a move to Turkey. He doesn't want that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's bizarre. They they really want to get rid of him, and he just he won't go. I kind of respect that. They've given yeah. him a contract. Yeah, I mean, they've made their bed. Yeah, Pioli could use him if he wants to. He's supposedly fit. <laughs> I mean, it, it literally can't get worse. Can it? They've just conceded five to Sassuolo. It cannot get worse than this. Chuck him in for the derby. Sink or swim. Let's see how it goes. But we need to move on, don't we? Because I was at the Gevis Stadium on Saturday evening. Vito was one of the total Italian football derbies. And Atalanta again beat Samp, this time 2-0. But I've got to say, Samp were nowhere near as bad as I was expecting them to be. And I think they showed a little bit of something. It could have gone Samp's way early on in the game, considering that uh, there were probably about two chances that Samp had and uh, Juan Musso had to be alert enough to parry the ball away. Uh, Then after that, I think Atalanta showed the greater cohesion and teamwork and that ultimately made the difference. However, sometimes I feel there are moments where you think of what could have been and I think the way the game finished too, there were probably a bit of moments that going forward, uh, Stankovic can change things up and uh, that would include maybe using Laris as an attacking mid instead of a wingback, giving Zanoli more match time. Lorenzo Margrida had scored a goal but was short for offside because Cuellarella had, uh, yeah, uh, didn't stay onside. And given how insipid Sump's attack has been, I think even Quayarello, who's going to turn 40 in a matter of days, I think just give him 55, 60 minutes in the next round and he'd still be an improvement. Mm. They, I have to say, there was that weird spell at the beginning where I think Musa made a save that was basically on the line with his foot. After that, I never felt like Sump were going to score. I felt like it might be a difficult day's work for Atalanta breaking through Samp, but after that little flurry at the beginning, it never felt like Samp were going to get anywhere near scoring, um, which is strange considering Atalanta have kind of reverted to their 2019-20 selves where they're just like, yeah, you have a chance and you have a chance and we'll have seven chances for your two chances. But I was quite impressed by Atalanta and they're, they're getting increasingly impressive again. 
They just keep scoring. Nobody in Europe's top 10 leagues have scored more than them this calendar year. Adamola Luckman is just brilliant. Like, I, I don't know if we mentioned this in the preview, Bob Burnsy, but he has scored double figures in an opening 19 match days of a Serie A season, becoming only the third ever African player to do it after Victor Ossiman, fellow Nigerian and Cabo Cannonieri contender, and Samuel Eto. Like, the company he's put himself in is phenomenal. But we've also got Joachim Mele. We've also, we're also seeing Joachim Mele starting to find form. Like, this is the guy who was always brilliant with Denmark, useless when he plays for Atalanta. And then when he is good, he gets in front of the goal and he just, like, he couldn't hit a barn door, you know? So it looks like he's finding form now, two goals in two games. Kev, you've, You've put two, it's a nil-nil next week. I was expecting that to actually come against Samp, to be honest with you. There, there is a low-scoring game coming, but I, Sassuolo Atalanta, I'm not sure it's going to be that one. If anything, it's going to be 5-5 in, in Reggio Emilia. Maybe you were saying that because we're going to be there together and you're a bit nervous. That's for exactly that the point right. I was making, that there I can now go. just see it being a drab nil-nil. Because I would ah. like to see uh, you know, Lookman on form. Um next week because he has been really impressive so i'm guessing it was you bernsey to put the tweet out from the total italian football account and you kind of summed it up quite nicely you said that it's not just that he keeps scoring goals it's that he keeps scoring really bloody good goals and that's 100 percent true isn't it yeah and i think what's impressive is that he's i think we can say he's now at the point where i, I wouldn't call it form I think like he, he he just is this good. Like he's been doing this basically all season. I mean those those figures, while he's definitely in a sort of even better patch in the past like three weeks, he's not built the those goal scoring figures in the last three weeks. Um, he's been doing it all year long. There's just been plenty of other players in the team who've been slightly underperforming up until now. Um, on Joachim Mela, he he's one of the. I feel like it's a, it's a benefit to everyone when he's playing well because mm. when he is playing well, I think he, he's absolutely joyous. The, his technique is brilliant, and he makes some really intelligent runs. I think it's it's nice for everyone as should, long as you're not against him. Should say, I, I think against Juventus, yeah, played well. Against Samp, there was a big difference between scoring and and playing well because I thought he was largely rubbish and. Before that header, I don't think he did one correct thing in the opening 45 minutes. But even that goal, right? Luckman had a header that hit the post that led to that chance. And he scored a header against Juve. Since when is he able to jump high and head the ball? Yeah, I was going to say, why is he able to do that? That seems a bit... It's a bit to us, it feels a bit like when Ozzyman takes a ball down, dribbles it slightly and leathers <laughs> it. A guy like that shouldn't be doing that. It's mm. I felt like there's this... There's this breed of footballers now who, regardless of what we think about the stereotype of their physique, they can still do everything. And yeah. I, I kind of attribute it to Erling Haaland. I feel like he's the main example of like, oh, well, he's he's quite tall, so he's a good header. But you're like, oh, but he, he's actually quite fast as well. And it's like, oh, he's he's good at finishing close range. Oh, no, actually, he can score from the edge of the box as well. Oh, but they, they've all freak. got every single, yeah, they've all got every single attribute. Yeah. And... I think we're we're getting closer to living in that Nike advert with the the robot team. 
anyway, that's a separate point. <laughs> that's, that's an article. Um, but there you go. Not for this not job, in Syria, for your other know. job. Um, I think that's definitely an article that you'll be tasked with at some point. But the other games, <laughs> Lazio, Fiorentina, Vito, it is very Lazio to slip up after a big game, isn't it? Well, certainly in this season, you'd think that Lazio end up playing some sumptuous football and they get some impressive results and then they do their own way of um, self-destructing. So, yeah, very disheartening to get a 1-1 draw for the Bianco Celesti. Whereas with um, Fiorentina, it's a draw. But again, uh, Fiorentina, that kind of team, especially this season, they have all the possession. They try to play this pretty football, but they lack the killer instinct up front. Yeah, we will be surprised. Like They did actually have more of the ball than Lazio, which not many teams do against the Mauricio Sarri team, but there you go. Uh, Burnsy, Inter had to come from behind to beat Cremonese 2-1. Job done. Yeah, I mean, it, it depends where you put your expectations for them now. If all you want is points, then sure. But they should be better than the way in which they keep getting points. Mm. Or rather, don't keep getting points as much as, much as they should. Yeah. Um, the story I mean... Can we Sorry, mention... David Okereke's goal because I think this is better than um, Origi's. It's very similar. Um, I, I'd go as far as to say I don't want to pick a favourite. I think they're both lovely. No, you've just Actually, said you I've prefer... I've changed my mind. One of them used to play for Liverpool. So Okereke's. Viva, Viva Okereke. There you go. <laughs> You're shaking your head, but it's 3-1, Vito. <laughs> oh, it's just another one of those, you know, sort of goal a la Del Piero or Tiragir type goals. They're always beautiful in their own way, but I gotta say, this particular Correque strike that was really something special. A definite contender for goal of the round, and for me, I'd put it up there for one of the goals of the season for sure. A quick little aside that it happened um, during the fifteen minutes of blackout in the UK, so nobody saw it. <laughs> Did it really? <laughs> yeah, oh, so frustrating. And the worst part really was because I, I, I turned it on. <laughs> I turned it on. They were they were one nil up, and the commentator kept on going on about how good his goal was. Yeah, and, and, and I'm the, not the first sure. Thing you said was what a great opening fifteen minutes we've had here. <laughs> yeah. Shut up. And I don't think they showed a replay of it until about minute thirty five. So I had sort of twenty yeah. minutes sort of sat here. You know, Inter had equalised before they actually got to see the first um, the first goal. I think that's excellent behaviour from the commentator because he knows you're just going to stick around then, aren't you? Because you're going to be waiting for that replay of that goal. Excellent. So annoying. I like that very much. Um, but yeah, I, I keep forgetting that that's a thing. You did actually message me, Ewan, to say, oh, there's been a goal and I can't watch yeah. it yet. <laughs> I I, I, yeah, it's, it's the standard goal in the first 15 minutes of these and, games or a red card or something. Assuming the UK broadcast was taking it from sort of an Italian feed, it felt like they were trolling news as well because the ball would go out for a throw and they'd show a close-up of Okereke. <laughs> and then and then it wouldn't be followed by a replay of the goal. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah, you, next you'd get a replay of a tackle. And that was it. And then, oh, okay, so you're not going to show me the goal yet. Have you and noticed, then... Kev, that it also, it doesn't come on at 5.15. What they do is at 5.15, they start the advert package because they know that you already watch. So it comes on at like 5.17 as well. We, we get robbed for more than 15 minutes of the game. Uh, everything in my house scandalous. is set to record so I just okay. forward to the when I see I see a pitch right it'll make it'll make English fans angry that we're saying this and I, I want to stress 
Premier League game should not be shown in that time. That is correct. I just don't get why we can't watch foreign football. I don't, like, I don't get it at all. <laughs> people aren't staying at home rather than go to a game that they have a have an interest in to watch Inter Cremonese. It's just weirdos like us. See, I, I disagree and say it's irrelevant everywhere. And there are academic papers on why these things <laughs> do not keep you from going to the stadium. Quick because question. Majority, Does anybody yeah. who follows Serie A give a shit about the UK's blackout oh, that, this about was, Premier League games? But this is on... Most of our listeners are in the US. <laughs> yeah, but this, this, there was a study across the five European leagues um, regarding TV games and the attendance figures in relation to their, their non-televised no games. Between no. attendance no. calls and television coverage. That's interesting because you would suspect that there would be, right? Yeah, no, there's not. Thanks, Kev. I'll have to, I'll have really to dig good. it out yeah, and it's share it. You ran out of gas at the end of that. Was <laughs> I asked you, no. <laughs> All right, no, thank you. Moving swiftly no, on, not. then. Uh, Salerno <laughs> yeah. got a big three points away at Lecce. Empoli Torino was 2 2. Bologna beat Spezia 2 0. Uh, uh, and that's all of the games that have been played for now. Udinese Verona is on Monday night. And there's a few Coppa Italia games in midweek, too. So, between now and then, why don't you head over to total italianfootball.com and read our coverage of the weekend's games, read a lot of the other articles that are going up? Vito, you've been chugging away, working on a quite an interesting article do you want to just give us a bit of a breakdown on what you've been doing i'll be writing about some of the uh, provincial football clubs that were in Serie A in recent years and talking about their time in Serie A as well as where they are now so i mentioned for Duke. pescara did they get a mention in it yes love it give us another a couple let us know a couple of the teams who else have you mentioned well I'm uh, waiting for him to say Genoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they, they haven't been down long enough. <laughs> I would not have think of that when I was saying this. <laughs> that would have been good. <laughs> nah, right, Genoa's I'm, still fresh. But... I'm very much looking forward to that article going up. Kev, you're doing a, a couple of little bits about derbies because you are Mr. Derby now. You, you wrote a, a piece explaining why Napoli, Roma is the Derby del Sole and Next weekend, we've got the Derby della Madonina and the Derby dell'Apenino. And you're going to be explaining why those are those as well, which is one to look out for, two to look out for, actually. But I'm really excited for next weekend, guys, because Burnsy and Kev, where are you going to be next weekend for the Serie A football? In uh, it. Yes, in, <laughs> in it. it. In, and, in and around <laughs> it. Uh, flights permitting, oh, we we must stress that with the way flights are leaving the UK. Don't say that. Um, I'm very much looking forward to it, and I think I'm going to be dead by Tuesday morning because we've got six games pending for four days. Kev has confirmed for five games in four days. Burnsy and I have confirmed for six in four days, and I've got to be honest, I'm really not wanting to go to Modena. I'd rather just stay in Parma and get something to eat and drink. I know drink. what you mean. <laughs> that was cross my mind. Yeah. Because we can do that nice time. and early. Okay. What time are you getting into Parma? Uh, we land hard to say, really. Yeah, well, we land at midday. We should get into Parma around. Oh, nice early. one. We'll get a bit like to eat then before we go to... Right, yeah. fine. Lovely. We'll be sorted. Anyway, so that will be that. We'll we'll do a couple of bits, I suppose, while we're together. Record a couple of bits and get it out as a bonus on patreon.com slash total italian football 
where you can sign up for as little as two euro a month. There's also five and 10 euro tiers. And every week that gets you at least two bonus podcasts, often three. So it's more than worth the money that you're going to spend on it, I would say. Anyway, that'll do. Burnsy, say goodbye. Bye.